1: This is the Frey podcast brought to you by the com, a place for women who want more from life. Today's podcast is a solo episode and I'm going to be sharing with you 10 tips for really effective communication with your romantic partner. Now, these tips can absolutely be transferred to other relationships, to your co-workers, family members, extended family members, friends, acquaintances, anyone that you're communicating with. But when I was making this list, I certainly had in mind your significant other. And the reason I had that in mind was because I really do believe that saying that our quality of life often depends upon the quality of our relationships. And if you have a partner, the relationship that you have with them really can be an integral pillar of you feeling content and happy in a lot of ways in life and of course you shouldn't be looking to someone else to make you feel happy or to make you feel fulfilled but when things are going well and you feel heard and respected and valued and as though you're on the same page and you're on the same team it certainly does go a long way. Now I probably don't have to say this I am obviously not a relationship expert. If you've listened to my episodes with Mallory, the update series, you will know I'm out here just winging it. But you know what? I probably shouldn't say I'm out here winging it because I am someone who is considered and thoughtful and is really, truly trying to do my best and be my best and learn from mistakes. We all make mistakes. And I do think I have learned a lot. Going through a long term relationship, going through a divorce, going through mediation, going through the court system, um, co parenting. I've learned a lot about communicating and I've made mistakes and I've certainly seen mistakes be made. But as I am now in my like mid 30s, I feel like more than ever, the power of communication is so apparent to me, in terms of how quickly you can diffuse and move on from a situation, when you really are committed to, um, to actually owning your own stuff and doing your own work. And I think so often in romantic relationships, things just get blown out and stretched out, and turned into a totally different beast. And all of a sudden you're dealing with like the symptom rather than the root cause. And you can find yourself feeling frustrated and angry and sad and used and filled with resentment. And at the core of all of those emotions is just miscommunication so often because when two people are in a relationship, there's love there and there is a commitment to understanding and caring one another, you would hope. And so perhaps a lot of the things that are causing grief in partnerships is to do with the fact that people aren't owning their stuff and communicating it well. And communicating is a two-way street. It's not just about what you're saying, it's what you're hearing and how you respond when someone is communicating to you as well. So I would encourage you with this episode in particular to really think about your communication style and check in and see how it's evolved for you over the years and hopefully it has evolved. Think about the communication that was modelled for you as a child. What was normal for you? Was it normal that your parents would role model healthy problem-solving and conversation skills in front of you? Or was it normal that one of your parents would stonewall and ignore the other person? Was it normal that when you went to your parents, they didn't really want to know your opinions and thoughts and feelings? So it's just, I think, important to be mindful of your childhood belief surrounding communication because it comes up (laughs) so much more than you might realize. Now, I have 10 Tips that I want to share with you. Some of these I have taken from books that I have read over the years, from couples therapy, from individual therapy, um, and just from trial, <laughs> trial and error, truly. But I wanted to share them with you. Hopefully, some of them will resonate with you. I would love to hear from you while you're listening to this episode. Take a screenshot, pop it up on your Instagram stories. That way, we can share it as well on ours tag me at Kylie Camps, and then I can share it again. At the end of this episode, I will also share a couple of books that I love when it comes to the topic of romantic relationships too, some real game changes. So number one, and this is like my number one tip for a reason, I think it's such a powerful communication technique, and it is simple, and it is to use I statements rather than using you statements. So what that means is rather than going to your partner and saying, you do, you always, you make me, you blah, 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 you get it. You go to them and you communicate and you say, I feel, I see, I observe, I have taken this to mean this. It's switching the focus from pointing the finger at them because you know yourself if someone comes to you and they're like that pointing at you it's kind of human nature to become defensive and defense can show up in all sorts of different ways for different people defensiveness for some people can be automatically wanting to point the finger back at you it can be wanting to flee particularly for avoidance wanting to leave wanting to exit Um, For some other people, it could be fawning, you know, like pandering to that person just to avoid confrontation. But just that simple switch can make it more palatable. Because if someone comes to you and is sharing their experience, you can't really poke a hole in it. Whereas if someone comes to you and says, you do, do, you might then be tempted, or your partner might be tempted to say, I don't do that because straight away you're telling someone what they're doing, what their intentions are, what their experience is. Whereas if you turn it around and you say, this is my experience, they can't refute that. That's your experience. And if there is love and care there, and you are both committed to communicating well, your partner is not going to want you to have that experience. They're going to want to help resolve you going through that series of emotions. So I statements rather than you statements. It's also important, this probably should have been my number one tip, but we'll just tack it on the end of this number one. (laughs) Number one point B, also pick your timing. When you're going to communicate, you know, it's not always the timing to bring it up if someone is walking out the door to work or if you're about to have guests, if things are feeling heated, if you are about to spend a significant amount of time apart from each other, sometimes the middle of the night, sometimes after a few drinks. Pick your timing when it comes to communicating and ask the other person if it's a good time. Like if they're sat at their desk and they're in the middle of something for work, it might not be the right time. You know, it might feel pressing and urgent to you, but also take the time to ask them, is this a good time to talk? And then start using your I statements rather than those um, you statements that automatically might place the blame on them. Number two, take a pause. Oh, this is like, the thing that I had to learn a lot. It is important to not be reactive, to not inflame a situation by being like, like ready to strike the moment someone is being difficult with you, particularly in communicating the power of taking a pause so that you are being um, responsive, not reactive. So you might need to say to your partner, to your person, I just need to take a minute because I am feeling whatever way it is. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling flooded. Um, I'm not thinking clearly. I just want to take a pause to think about this so I can come back to you and communicate as my best self. And it can be hard to have someone ask for a pause but I think if it's explained well and it is promised that you're going to come back to it and that you are not Leaving You are not abandoning them, particularly if someone has a um, anxious attachment or any abandonment type issues or codependent issues, it can really hurt them if you are like, you know what, I just need a moment. I need to leave for a minute. But if you reassure them that you are going to come back to it, perhaps give them a time frame and then be reliable with it that will build trust as well. So don't be afraid to take a pause when you are feeling like reactive versus being able to respond in the way that your best self, your best version would do. Number three, enter communication with a commitment to understanding the other person. All too often we go into communications, conversations, just wanting to get our point across. And I think If you ever experience a conversation with someone where they are simply just waiting to speak, it is so demoralizing. You feel so insignificant. You can tell. You can tell that someone's not listening to the words that you're saying, that they are just waiting for you to take a pause so that they can speak. And that is not proper communication. That's just two people monologuing. You want to go into comms with a commitment to understanding the other person. Go in remembering, hopefully, that this person is on your team. You know, you're not going into battle with them. You're teammates, you've got each other's backs, hopefully, if you're in a romantic relationship. And if you feel like you don't, perhaps seek some therapy and some support, a third person to help you. But going in with the intention to understand, not to vilify is such a game changer. And imagine if two people are coming together with the intention to understand each other. Things get resolved with so much more compassion and empathy and just efficacy. It gets done quickly. Number four, be mindful of your body language because if you are crossing your arms, puffing your chest, facing away from someone, it's very hard to continue to be loving when someone is acting that way. Soften your body language, face your person, open your arms, like just engage with them, look them in the eye, treat them like a person and show them with your body that you are committed to understanding them. Soften your body. You might need to literally take a deep breath and push your shoulders down away from your ears. And remind your nervous system that you are safe, that you don't need to be in fight or flight. You are just in communication mode. I think that's a big one. Our body language gives so much away. And particularly if it's a relationship between a man and a woman, I think sometimes men don't understand how their body language can intimidate us as females. If you've ever been in a conversation with a male who has used their size, their weight, their masculinity, their strength to intimidate you. You'll know what I'm talking about. And I've had that. I've definitely experienced that. And it's confronting and it's scary. So just notice your body language and be committed to being soft and being open. Um, And also when you're communicating, you want to be confident, So your body language should be a straight spine, looking each other in the eyes. It shouldn't be facing away from one another or slumped over or in a defeated type of mannerism because that's sending out all sorts of signals. Number five, big one, notice your own triggers and own them. So what I mean by this is notice when you are reacting to a past version of what is presented in front of you versus the actual um, separate incident. So what I mean by that is you might have something happen, an occurrence that happens, and if it was isolated and on its own, you wouldn't have a big reaction But you are having a big reaction and it is to do with the fact that that isolated incidence is triggering a memory of other incidences that is causing you to feel maybe more reactive than is warranted for the situation, When I interviewed Melanie Hirsch, she said something that stuck with me. And she said, if it is hysterical, it is historical. Because sometimes we have these big reactions. You know, your partner does something and you have a much, you know, a disproportionate reaction to what's going on. And it's not because you want to be an asshole. It is because you are being triggered something is activated in your system that is calling you back to a time in your life when you went through something really hard and your system is being flooded by that experience your system feels like you are right back there in the middle of whatever trauma is coming up for you when you notice that this is happening it is such a powerful gift for yourself and for your partner as well to be able to look at your partner and say, hey, I'm so triggered by this behavior. I'm triggered by this because of that, And you can explain I'm having a reaction that is not entirely to do with this situation. It's just scratched like the surface. And to be able to say I'm reacting to like a ghost of this experience versus actual experience can then help your partner hopefully to want to jump in and provide some reassurance you know that they weren't actually purposefully triggering you that they're not wanting you to be in that pain and perhaps be able to explain to you with some clarity about the actual incidents that has caused you to feel this way and it could very well be that it is to do with them and their behavior in the past you know that could be what what is triggered Um, or it could be that it's not to do with them at all and if you think of the word trigger obviously like a trigger on a gun I always think of it in my mind as like we're all walking around with like our own ammunition loaded which comes from our childhood beliefs and our experiences trauma that we go through things we just everything that we go through basically day in and day out and our um, yeah our deep beliefs and our values so we're all walking around with our own unique ammunition and then when someone pulls that trigger and it releases from the barrel to stick with the trigger analogy The fact that they've caused the trigger to go off doesn't mean that they are responsible for what is going off. So if you can notice when that's happening for you, it can just help you to get back on the same page quicker and to have empathy for one another. Number six, try not to speak in absolutes such as like sweeping generalizations like you always do X, Y, and Z, because the moment we go to someone and say, you always make me feel blah, blah, blah. You never think of me. You treat me this way all the time. What the other person will automatically start to do is like search their memory bank for times when that's not true, because they want to disprove this theory that they are always absolutely that person. And so then you've got two people who are not in an effective place to communicate because one person is busy searching their memory banks for times that they were certainly not always like that and pulling up proof. And then you're kind of in a slinging match of you always do this. Well, no, I don't always do that because what about that time last year for your birthday when I did blah, blah, blah. And then before you know it, it's like tit for tat. It's not actually effective communication. So I think this one really can be linked back to the first point. So don't talk in absolutes and talk in I feel, you know, what is your experience? Not so much like generalizations and certainties or character assassination. Like you're useless. Like no one wants to hear that. But you could say sometimes I feel like I am doing more than my fair share of the work because five nights a week I'm cooking dinner and I'm cleaning up. So I feel like it's saying how you feel and then also offering some observations of times that it's happened which are factually correct, not always emotionally loaded. But, yeah, if you start talking in ways that are, like, are designed to make someone feel bad and to assassinate their character and to kind of like put them in a box of you are absolutely this. Straight away, you're like pushing shit uphill for lack of a more ladylike expression. It's just harder work. Number seven, express your feelings. And again, that links to the I statements but you have a right when you are in a relationship to express your feelings. If you do not feel safe to express how you feel, there is a bigger problem in this relationship. A healthy romantic relationship is one where two people or more, whatever your whatever your situation is, but when the people that are in the relationship feel like it is safe And even let's go a bridge further than safe. It is encouraged to talk about how you are feeling. Number eight, focus on the repair. So when I interviewed Monique Harding about blending families, this was a word that she used like repair. It's okay when things go pear-shaped, but the repair needs to be Important and a team effort, and you need to really refine this process of how do you repair, how do you come back together and make things okay when things have not felt okay for whatever period of time. And clear communication is absolutely part of that repair. And if both of you come into a conversation committed and focused on repairing you know, the miscommunication that has occurred or the issues or the situations, whatever. If you're both focused on repairing versus being defensive um, or taking the other person down or winning, like there's no winners here. It's just two people communicating. And, you know, even the term winning, that automatically infers point keeping. And if you're in that place where you're like keeping points, like keeping a tally of who's doing what, who's wrong, who's right, that's not, not a good place to be either. So the repair matters. Because everyone, no matter how good their relationship is, everyone has little stress cracks, little stress fractures that occur. So how do you repair them is important. Number nine, make clear requests for explicit things. It's all well and good to go into a conversation and want to talk about how you feel, but it's so helpful to actually have clear requests as well. Because if you are going in and saying, I feel um, unappreciated or something like, we'll stick with unappreciated because I think that a lot of people can relate to that. So if you go in and you're saying, I feel unappreciated, not seen, not valued, not important in this unit have a clear request because just giving someone that information isn't always enough. And it can be really tempting then to want to handball the responsibility and say to your partner, I feel this way. Now you fix it. You know, you've made me feel this way. You fix it. That's not effective and it's not fair, but going in and saying, I feel these ways And I think, and again, this is part of focusing on the repair, but going, I think to repair this situation, what would help me to feel appreciated, what would help me to feel valued is if, you know, and it could be things that are simple, like, I would feel appreciated if you acknowledge that I cook dinner every night. I would feel appreciated if, you know, at the end of the workday, when you come home, I get to go and have the first shower and I get to have a breather and you're going to take over for a bit. You know, just actually giving your partner some clear, tangible things that they can do is so much more helpful than this ambiguous, like, "Ah, things need to change and I don't know how, and it's too far gone and blah, blah, blah. Like make clear requests. Number 10 reconfirm like confirm what you have heard what you have understood what the request is and say it back to your partner so just basically repeating reassuring and confirming for them that you have comprehension of what has occurred can be so validating Like you imagine if you go into a conversation where you're trying to express that you feel unappreciated and then at the end of that your partner says to you I hear you you have felt stressed you have felt unappreciated like I don't love you like I don't care because I have done these things or these things have occurred I agree that a way to repair is by xyz I'm committed To this, I appreciate you, let's repair. You know, having someone speak it back to you in their own words is like the age-old word, like the age-old way of knowing someone comprehends what you have told them. It's what we do with little kids. I do it forever with the boys. I still do it now when I'll say to them, we've got 10 minutes till we go, you know, and say they're watching TV or they're playing their Switch or whatever. I'll say, hey boys, what did I say? because I know sometimes they're not listening, but if they actually have to stop and think about it and say it back to me and say, oh yeah, Mum, we heard you 10 minutes. I'm like, cool. Comprehension, like comprehendo. We've got this. We're on the same page. And so much of the way that we communicate with kids can be carried over into the way that we communicate with our romantic partner, really, which is not to sound like we are you know, treating them like babies. It's just that basic comms goes a long, like a really, really long way. And if we do think about the way we communicate with babies and children, we do give eye contact, we do give reassurance, we give body language cues that we are paying attention, that we are listening. And so if we can roll some of those over into our adult conversations. It's not going to hurt. It's really not going to hurt. So those are 10 things I have learned and I'm trying, dear God, I'm trying <laughs> to live by. So a couple of books that I love. Basically, Anything by John and Julie Gottman is brilliant. They have the Gottman Institute. I'm such a fan of their work. Um, I really like their books. So if you just Google John and Julie Gottman, all sorts of books will come up. Um, there's a great book called The Art of Nonviolent Communication, which I spoke about years ago. It's one that I often revisit and also The Course of Love by Elaine de Botton. And again, I have spoken about that, but those would be three things that I would recommend if you are interested in just understanding and exploring different communication styles and the way that you approach conversations with your significant other. You may also like Love Languages, if you're not across that. I'm sure that you are. But of course, The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman can be helpful too. But specifically, John and Julie Gottman, The Art of Nonviolent Communication and The Course of Love. Like The Course of Love is the book that I just think everyone, every single person who is in, ever wants to be in, has ever entertained the idea of being in a relationship should read. I think it should be studied. (laughs) should be studied before we get married um but yeah can't recommend that one enough if this episode has been helpful for you please let me know um click follow on the podcast so that you receive updates when new episodes are uploaded come on over to the Frey facebook group the link is in the bio don't forget, podcast listeners also receive a 15% off discount for our Blueprint programs, which is a self-paced journaling experience, which you will find on thefrae.com. Use the code PODCAST, all in capitals, to save 15%. I appreciate you listening, and I will talk with you very, very soon. This is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you.